welcome to that Greaves and Rooney Sports Podcast. Welcome, my name is Martin Rooney, I'm an Olympic 400 meter runner. And I'm Dan Greaves, Paralympic discus thrower, probably more known as Discus Dan. Between us we're a pair of old boys, we've been in this game for a long time, uh, close to 20 years, so uh, we have lots of experience and lots of stuff to talk about. This series of podcasts, we just wanted to give something back, so we're talking deep into athlete professional lives, unearthing some interesting facts, um, you know, we've been all around the globe, and so we've got some really cool stories, and also doing interviews so we can bring people in to unearth the behind-the-scenes side of athletics. Let's get to it. Rooney now kicks away! Commonwealth champion for discus down. Rooney gets the goal! Medal at the last four Paralympic Games. Martin Rooney ran a great race in lane one. Great character. Well done, Dan Greaves. Hi, and welcome to that Greaves and Rooney Sports Podcast. Welcome, guys. Today, I think we're going to talk about London 2012. Yeah, we're going to uncover probably the biggest sporting British event ever, maybe, to Gracie Shores. You say? Yeah, since probably 1966. Yeah. What oh, can you remember? Oh, yeah. What do you remember of the Euro to? Thousand and whatever it was. Oh no, Euro ninety six. That was Euro ninety six. That's that it. was the one. Yeah, with that. All I can remember from that was Gaz's goal. Yeah, I think everyone is. Yeah, pretty much Gaz's goal. Southgate miss. Southgate miss. Yeah. So twenty twelve was the biggest thing that's probably happened to uh, British sport in a long time. It was so big, wasn't it? When we you know when we got the bids. Where were you when you found out? I was, I was actually a really privileged at that point in time. I think it was post Beijing. Um, I think I think we won it in two thousand and nine. Oh, was it 2005? Oh, wow. And um, I was actually in Trafalgar Square. For, yeah, as part of the lottery, Good Causes Appeal. Um, and they, they hosted an event and there was a big stage in Trafalgar Square. Quite iconic scenes, I think, where you got Crammy jumping up and down and Kelly Holmes. Ah, uh, you know you that? And, uh, yeah, yeah and you got like all of the, all the confetti going off. What hair did you have then? Oh, I had horrible hair. <laughs> I literally, I had the David Beckham bleached comb over hair, <laughs> which... <laughs> Was absolutely hideous. I was, I thought I was the coolest kid in school, but we're gonna have to dig that out. That, yeah, we'll put that up somewhere. What's it going was, on the ground? It was awful. But yeah, I like I was there, and it was. I can always remember the you know the advert Heather Small's soundtrack. Yeah. Can you remember that to the Do, advert? Yeah, yeah. And I think that just had a massive impact, and it just showed that you no, know, everyone in the walk, different walks of life could have access to sport in the UK. That was it. Was it, it was the whole. Uh, it wasn't about how good Paris could be or how good London could be. It was about the legacy of what yeah. London 2012 could do. I think they had like stuff from like, Africa and stuff like that in their video. Yeah. I was like, okay. And, they, but, and they, had, they had politicians and we had like sports stars yeah. and just average Joe that would essentially be watching like, the Olympics and Paralympics, which I think for the IOC and IPC just resonated across all levels where they wanted to promote sport. Yeah. Jack Rogers, he loved it, didn't he? Yeah. He loved it. Um, I was. Uh, where were you? I was at my athletics club, Croydon Harriers, and um, there was a school's. My mum basically helped out at Croydon Harriers, and she was selling sweets. I remember I was there with her, and I was just tucking into all these penny sweets and stuff. And then it was like, oh, just one. Did you have it on TV? It was a TV. No, we just had a radio on in the background, and it was like it's kind of weird, like uh, that. I was at my athletics club, thinking yeah. about going to a home Olympics. That's pretty strange. See, that's like, pretty crazy. Yeah, when you like. Yeah, obviously a lot younger than myself. <laughs> not that much. <laughs> it's not hard. I was just turned eighteen then. Just turned eighteen, maybe nineteen. But then to to think that know. you know, in what almost seven years' time, you could be potentially standing on the Olympic Olympic start line. Yeah, in the Olympic Games in a home city. Yeah, in a home city. Both in London. Let's fast forward six, seven years and about twenty different haircuts. Um, twenty two thousand eleven. The year before the Olympics, everything's hyping up. It's becoming quite serious for athletes because it's like, oh, I can't keep saying, oh, yeah, I've got to get through this year first. I've got to actually prepare now for a home Paralympic and Olympic Games. What was your, what kind of shape were you in going into that winter? We had a really, a really late World Champs at the start of 2011. So that was in New Zealand. And so that then gave us like almost a year well, almost a two-year run-in. Um, so we had all of 2011 and all of pretty much all of 2012. So two-year run-in to Paralympics, which was really, really handy for us. So we had like, so I, I was world champion. I came up from the world champion. And then the next big thing was London, London 2012. And so yeah, that was that year I PB'd like four or five times. So I went into the winter really, really, yeah, like really positive and thinking 
not thinking I was going to rock 2012, but knowing that I had a good chance of coming away with the medal. So, but then like, what about you? Like, where where were you? Where was your mm. training? Um, 2011, I had a bit of a mixed year. I chose not to go to Commonwealth 2010. I trained solid, and then I tore some cartilage in my knee in January. Ran through 2011 and had surgery at the end of 2011. So I came back from World Champs, beat up, had a bit of surgery just to clean up the cartilage and the knee. And then 2012, I trained really well. It was weird. Like um, my coach Dakin, he stuck me in an altitude tent. Not I can that. remember that. Can it was basically so saying. I couldn't do any media, which was kind of pretty smart from his point of view. He stopped me from doing all the social stuff, all the... Um, all the events that were going on around it kind of didn't help my bank balance because it would have been nice to do all those things all the fun stuff all the fun stopped. stuff stopped <laughs> but he, his mind was like look you've got an opportunity to do well at Olympics you need to uh, knuckle down and stay in Loughborough so yeah I spent, spent a lot of time in that smelly tent <laughs> and training went really well and just um, for people like listening what um, is the benefit from using an altitude tent to be honest I didn't really feel my, feel like I got much out of it um, I didn't feel that much fitter. I think my lung capacity, I thought it was meant to be like training at altitude, um, sleep at altitude, train at sea level. I felt all it did was uh, it just kept me in one place, kept me focused. I'm not someone who's doing high mileage and 400 yeah. meter runner. So I think it would be more useful to go stay at altitude. Yeah, because you hear like, I don't want to use, use the term loosely joggers, but like <laughs> elite, yeah, elite, elite runners. <laughs> um <laughs> that we see daily they obviously they go after like Kenya and, and part of stream in South Africa and things like that to get so just simulating a, a, at home basis you can get yeah mate you can tell me more about it. you're the genius <laughs> um, we're obviously we're at the elite athlete hotel is that what yeah, it's called yeah the new athlete hotel in uh, where we're recording this podcast and they have altitude rooms which are pretty good except from if you go to the toilet which is not in the altitude room but anyway um <laughs> It's something that sea level pretty quick. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit of a jump, but I think it's a. Uh, it's obviously something that a lot of people use. I think uh, a lot of people are trying to say now it's the same as doping using uh, altitude tent, which I think is a bit odd. Maybe because it's not available to everyone. But yeah, I tried that. It didn't really, other than kept me focused. It kept me in Loughborough. Um, I had to spend twelve hours a day in it, so I was always like in bed early, and um, yeah, it was dull, but. It worked, like I suppose, in my training point of view. I started off the year in California and I went to world number one in my second race, which is obviously, it's April, so it doesn't really I mean I can, anything. But yeah, I, I beat I like the that previous one. Olympic champ. Yeah. Well, was that Jeremy Olympic. Warren a race? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can remember watching that on a live stream back here. I was like, go on, Rooney, come <laughs> on. <laughs> it was fun. Mount Sac Relays is good meat in, in and out burgers as well, so I was pounding them in as well. But um, yeah, it was, a, it was a good start to the year. Where did you start? Um, so, yeah, well, I, uh, a staple for me, 2012, has always been start off at Loughborough, always, um, Loughborough International. And, yeah, we had a, an all right start to the year, but, yeah, it was uh, like everyone else in the world because it was Paralympic year. Just, um, I know Jeremy Campbell, my biggest rival, he went like 60 for the first time, which then is shocking because, I, you know, I, I set the world record the previous year in 2011 at um, 59 metres and then he comes out from 60 and you're like, I'm not going to like explicitly swear, but like, you know, that I wanted, yeah, I wanted that to be to be my bag. So it, that motivated me then and like, yeah, just really wanted to kind of get back up there because I knew that he was going to be the only real person or threat that would essentially have a chance at taking away my glory in London. So what's he like? Is he a prick? Yeah, he's a bit self-indulged, but other than that, no, he's all right. He's, it was really good at the time because the press loved it because I called him my nemesis and a yank and like he, like he's an arrogant nubhead and all sorts of stuff <laughs> because he was at the time and he had right to be. He was like he won in two thousand and eight, and I felt that I lost my title, but it wasn't realizing you know it wasn't my title to lose. Everyone's fair game on the start line, yeah. so but I you know been unbeaten for eight years, so. Yeah, I didn't really like him pretty much like that much. So 2011 was a massive game changer beating him in New Zealand. And, then, and obviously him coming out and throwing 60 was then alarm bells for me thinking, you know, I can't let it happen again. And yeah, and yeah so my season was good. Like we, we hit some good form. Um, but it's, I don't know about you, but like your focus changes because it's a Paralympic year. It means so much and you just want to nail it. So mm. there was a, there was a definitely a danger of British athletes 
who were going and doing extra stuff because they felt like, oh, I have to do it. It's the Paralympic or Olympic year. I have to do it this year. I had something similar where I went and raced when I didn't need to go race and then I picked up an injury in May and it was just like, I was in good shape. I didn't need that. Yeah. And I think that's what we probably had a similar thing. We were just doing extra stuff to kind of get past the... It's so tough, isn't it? You want something so badly, like you do anything to get to get it. Yet sometimes it might just tip you over the edge, and it yeah. might be too much. Where you, you just need to rein it back in a bit, rein training, and maybe not do those extra sessions and go ultimate hardcore warrior. Like it's very hard to prepare anyone for a home games. So I don't think I don't think British athletes knew how to do it, and I don't think my coach knew how to do it because none of us has done it before. Yeah. Um, I think what we should have done is spoke to a lot more. We spoke to Michael Johnson in 20, 2011. He was useless. <laughs> he just said, he just said, I just carried on with everything as normal. I had everything done for me. <laughs> and that's it. And it was just boring. Like it was not, he didn't really, he weren't inspired with it. And um, he wanted to speak to someone who maybe raised their game and came out and performed at a higher level yeah. because of what happened, because so, of being in a home game. So like, because you made the final in 2008, how was your outlook di- com- different? I think, um, obviously, I was 21 years old when in 2008. I was a bit older. I was a bit more... I should have been a better athlete. I think I was a better athlete. We obviously did the altitude chamber to try and kind of keep me more focused. I think that was probably something that distracted after 2008. There's a lot more distractions going and with our home games. But we did... Nick Dakin's programme hasn't really changed much in however many years. I think we just... Like I said, I think we just chased... Because I was world number one and I was getting into good races and getting good lanes, it was like, oh, let's just keep going. Like I went to, came back from California and ran in Doha and then I ran okay, but not not that great a race. And then I went to Hengelo and there was no need to go to Hengelo. And then I tore my labrum in Hengelo. So it was a bit like, oh, oh not that we knew at the no. time. And at the time, it just felt like my quad was killing me and my hamstring was bad. But um, it was only after, well, very late in the summer, what we found out it was a, uh, when the specialists had a look, it's like, oh yeah, you got a tear there, but that was very late. But um, it, how it, close it, is that to 2012? So that was May, and then oh, right. obviously the Olympics were in August. So yeah, it was frustrating, but it's like, like I said, it was experience. It'd be nice to have had someone like maybe tell my coach Nick to go. All right, you don't need to do that. Um, leave that race. Yeah. You're in good shape. You're running well. Go back and do a bit of solid training and survive rather than help. So keep your body like pres- preserve your body. Preserve your body as best as possible so um, yeah it was something that we we missed out on but we still got to go to 2012 <laughs> still did it not too bad what about that stash it'll be one in a million to try and uh... oh that Olympic stash yeah. that was a bit of a day wasn't it it was uh, obviously on campus as well so we didn't have to travel far oh yeah yeah you had the kitten out process kitten out that, process um, yeah it was a whole like you had like the whole Stella shindig. McCartney big shebang Stella McCartney stuff what do you very think fashionable, about, very fashionable. What do you think about as a competition? Well, where? I did. I tell you a little story. Is that I, I was an Adidas athlete then, and yep. we did the modelling for the promotion of the kit. So you had yep. like Fraser Campbell, football, Lewis Smith, Jessica Ennis, Goldie, myself, everyone. And for a sizing catwalk show, they used a picture of me which they thought I looked like a medium. So I got, there. <laughs> I got there on the Friday night before this big catwalk. This is the launch of the 2012 Olympic and Paralympic kit, the biggest la- Olympic kit launch in Adidas history. They put this massive show, massive show on, and the seamstress showed me my vest, and mate, I had to bounce myself into it, and it was like a cropped up. And they went, but on the pictures, you don't look that big. I was thinking... So yeah, if you're standing next to a tree... Yeah. Or an elephant... <laughs> an elephant. you stand next to your normal human... Danny two chests so, over here. So anyway, they had a seamstress work until about twelve thirty one a.m. to get this, like, put an extra panel on the bottom. I was like, um, I don't really feel great about myself now because you're having to make me having to make get the bed sheets out and make a brand new, <laughs> brand new one. <laughs> but at the time, I thought, oh, like, I'm not. I'm a thrower. They could have asked like what size I am. At least that's there. Yeah. Two hundred kilo bench. Okay. I'm going to wear a medium. Yeah, I'm going to wear, I'm going to bounce myself into a medium and yeah. walk out on a catwalk with loads of cameras and just yeah, show my belly to the world. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> but yeah, so that was my little story. So yeah, it was like, but I love the kit. Yeah, obviously I thought, and it was it was fashionable, and I do like it. I mean, I still love the the vest with the air with the air holes in the back, mm. and it was really light. Because I don't know about you, but I I like tight leggings on my legs, but then I like to feel free and loose and have a really loose vest on top I don't yeah, know what you like. better that way than the other way around 
Yeah. <laughs> tight leggings and an incredibly tight crop top. <laughs> incredibly tight and uh, hangings, hanging and slanging, yeah. as I heard the other day. I've, I, I, thought it, I thought it looked really nice. Like, yeah, yeah I, I think it looked good on the, on the shop floor, if you know what I mean. I kind of felt like in the competition it was, uh, it was more fashion than practicality. Um, especially two thousand, the next Olympics, I felt Stella got away with herself and yeah. needed to chill out a bit. I'm old school. I like that the plain white vest that we had in two thousand eight, yeah, and the ones was, that you guys had yeah. in like um, in Athens was. That's for me. It was like the vest, yeah. the Athens we had vest. Blue in Sydney, blue vest. It was very it was strange, a bit odd, yeah, but still, still look cool. Still look, yeah. When it comes to the Olympics, I want Britain to do like old school classic and do it properly. I know it's not going to sell as well as a Stella McCartney branded Adidas top. Yeah, that's the thing. I think because it's such a big event, she had to nail the criteria of making us look cool. You've got the world and his dog watching, and your home nation needs to look the shit. Yeah, really. it's true. Yeah, it's true. It needs to look like. But and at the end of the day, they need to sell tops. Yeah. So it was. Uh, it was definitely sellable. I'll give it that. Well, I think I could maybe touch on like our experiences coming into the village and what that was like. Yeah, how's your holding camp, Budga? Well. <laughs> Um, my holding camp was was good, but um, yeah, like a week before or two weeks before we went, I contracted a hernia. Contracted a hernia. Well, yeah, through through squatting. Um, okay. Like I felt a real tight. Made it sound like a STD. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's pretty yeah. good. Like, I bumped into somebody that had a hernia <laughs> and I caught it. Oh god. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe contracting it. Okay, I acquired a hernia. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, just squatting. A sport hernia. Felt, yeah, it's just a sportsman's hernia, but it wasn't like proper blown up as well. Okay. I was just squatting. I felt some tightness in my hip and then went to the doctor and obviously did the whole cough test and everything. He was like, yeah, you've got a hole Who there. Who was it, Chakravarti? Yeah, he was it, it was the only kind of doctor I had real confidence in in, in at that time, his advice. And yep. four weeks out, I thought, shit, I'm not going to make it because they were debating pulling me out. What was like, the mental thing of that? Like, how, how hard was it to be like, right, stay focused on job at hand like well, I know Monte Gordo Robinson's was a yeah it was a very luxurious yeah yeah you could resort. beer on tap all day if you wanted it it was yeah it was like a it was like a to paint the picture it would be like a five star Hilton mentally I, I it's like I just said to Rob like if you get me pain free and it doesn't hurt too much or you don't think there's a chance of it blowing up in competition yeah I'm good. Like I, don't, I can. I, I've done all the hard work. I've done four years of work to get me here. I'm not going to give up. And yeah, like they injected me every morning and did massage and Jesus and had ice baths. And then yeah, like um, I, I did. I managed to go and, and make it. And you competed and you competed well. Yeah. So like, so my experience is probably completely different to yours. Ah, <laughs> uh, so with the labour room, like it was um, because they hadn't worked out. I had like a couple of MRIs and they couldn't, still couldn't see what the issue was because that was my quad that. Every time I drove out, I was like, oh, "God's just going to explode it," um, and that was just probably my body like protecting the hip as much as it could. Um, so I was like, "Right, if you can get me past this drive out phase, so I can get up to running." I was fine when I was up and running. It was a bit, it wasn't the same, but it wasn't terrible. So I was like, "Right, if you get me through this first part of the race, I'll be all right." We did a lot of similar stuff where it was like I had a cortisone injection in lots of ostinol, so lots of like WD forty basically into the joint, and then um, creaking with you. I had, uh, yeah, I, had a, I think I had one cortisone injection four weeks out from the, whatever the, the limit was or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I know there was like certain things that you couldn't use or whatever. But um, yeah, we took the kind of the, it's quite an aggressive step. Maybe if it wasn't a home Olympics, you'd probably just gone and it, let it go. But it's an Olympics and then it's a home Olympics. So you just got to tough it up and have a go. But um, yeah, Monte Gordo's all right. I remember arguing with Di Green a bit over... We we shared a therapist and Di Green, um, who's defending world champion, demanded a lot of time. Um, demanded demanded a lot of Renee uh, Renee Thompson. She was our therapist. Uh, Di to do a session had to do that because he he was probably more broken than anyone. <laughs> um, he had like an hour and a half, two hours of treatment before he ran. And it was like we were literally because it was twenty twelve. Like we said, we pushed ourselves to this limit. We were all literally hanging on by a thread. Just wanted, it, yeah. just wanted to get out. And he came, he did fantastic. Came, he unfortunately came fourth, but he ran an incredibly fast yeah. time. It was just, it was three guys who were better than, him, better than him on the day. But yeah, I remember arguing with him at the track. <laughs> threw his hurdles out of my lane. Because I had set up a lane and he was like, no, I want that lane. And I was like, no. That's Let the coaches well, fight out in the end. That's a stubborn Welsh attitude for you. 
Magic. Well, in the end, he was on the therapy bed the whole time through my session, so it worked out. So it worked out. But, you know, when you get into race mode, uh, and I was doing a race pace session, and I was like, now nah, you're getting it. I'm, I'm doing it. I, I was here before you came to my lane. Fuck off, basically. Out the way, please. <laughs> yeah. And Dai's the kind of person you can actually have that. And then after the games, we were out on the piss together. So it was, um, it was good. Yeah. He's a good, he's a good he's egg. A, he's a good egg. But yeah, we're both stubborn and we're both, we know what we, what we want. But no, it was a good holding camp. Monte Gordo, I'd have preferred to stay in London, uh, in the UK. I think Loughborough was, the weather was good. I felt that being, I understood they were protecting us from all the media and all the hype and the yeah. BBC. Like you couldn't really watch TV the same way at home. Uh, it was as all you German channels, wasn't it? Or Spanish channels. Or yeah, TV channels. there was that weird talking brick thing yeah. that used to be on the TV on one of the channels all day. But yeah, I understood it was a good place to be. I just felt like um, it was almost too nice. Did he give you a lift? Because I, I, when we came in into the village, I mean, it was like opening ceremony night, so we were all buzzing anyway. But Jesus, yeah, when we came into the village, we were just like so hyped to be there. Like we're like, oh my god! Like just, it was just obviously, it was just so surreal going into London, mm. like driving in and into the village, and it was quite surreal that I was like, oh wow, you know, there's landmarks over there that I can see. I've seen this, the Olympic stadiums there, and then we're walking out of the apartment. Like for for me, I found that really like cool that we're going from like this quite secretive behind closed doors place and then being thrust into like the village and mm-hmm. it was just like this is so cool. Do you think like had you stayed in the UK, it might not have I don't know whether you experienced that kind of buzz of being in there and whether it uh, being in the UK might have, like just lost its edge of like going into the village? I don't know. Uh maybe. I understand what you're saying. I think um for me like I found Portugal like super, like the it was almost too nice. Yeah, the accommodation and stuff like that for us. It was uh, very lavish. Yeah, I think they spent a lot of money on it. I don't know, was it the BOA or they had, UK? Um, had a thing called which was between breakfast and lunch called snack time, and they used to bring out a barbecue, <laughs> wheel a barbecue out with this Portuguese dude. Oh, it was banging. Yeah, and like you'd be we back from well. training, and you'd just get this waft of barbecue, and you're like, lunch is in like an hour and a bit, but I could. Probably, um, could probably, probably stretch some, like chicken <laughs> and some some sausages and some bacon. So we were like, mm, yeah, let's yeah. go have a quick snack. Um, I felt like yeah, that was just that side. I was a bit too relaxed, um, a bit too pampered, I suppose, going into it. And I think I can't. I didn't lose my edge because it was like we're still going to Olympics. Yeah, still going into the biggest championships of your life. Yeah, so like mentally, very exciting. To, mentally, you had to kind of switch on straight away. Yeah. I think coming into the village, like when we landed in, uh, we landed in Gatwick, and for some reason we went through central London, which took three hours. But it was uh, like for the first forty-five minutes, like we went past my, where my parents live, like where I grew up and stuff. And I was like, "Shit, yeah. this is this is my hometown. This is it." And it wasn't was like, like a red open top bus tour. Was uh, it but it was weird. I was like, "Oh, that's the McDonald's over there. That's, uh, I used to get the bus stop from there." And like, Thornton Heath <laughs> over there. Yeah, this is it. I was, we came through Thornton Heath, and it was. Uh, it was nice, and then uh, like one of the guys in the bus, he was like, "Are we in North London yet?" I was like, "We haven't even crossed the river," <laughs> and we've been in the car for like in the minibus for about an hour and a bit. But um, yeah, I was still buzzing by the time when I got into the village. It was uh, it was quite late at night, and you want to go explore at half eleven, twelve o'clock at night. And you're like, ah, oh, I can see where the McDonald's. I need to actually go and get focused. Yeah, McDonald's was a priority for a lot of people. Um, no, it was just about like uh, exploring the rooms and. Uh, who you were sharing with and stuff. I actually had a room to myself in 2012, which was a bit. Uh, it was nice in one sense. Afterwards, after the champs was perfect, but during the champs, when you need someone else to stop you from getting too far into your own mind. Yeah, I had that as well. I had my. I was in a single room as well, yeah. which I did request. To be fair, but yeah, I can see what I can see what you're saying there. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was tough. Like it is tough to try and manage when you you want that like little bit of chat. At did you night. did you share in the holding camp with someone? Um, yeah, we shared in the holding Who camp. Did you have? We had like an apartment, so we had like I think we had Dave, Johnny, Alad, and that's quite a fun group. Of the show. Yeah, it was, like, it was, a, it was a good. Idea. It was a good atmosphere. Like I was in a big abs, Abdul, Abdul Bahari. Yeah, and it was uh, during. Oh, do you remember? There was a big thing about it. it was during Ramadan. Was it Ramadan? Was it the fast? Do you remember? Basically, yeah, it meant to be fasting, and there was a big thing about him and Mo. Um, how they would get around it because it was a, a games and basically they'd been given a pass. Abdul was awesome. I never thought about that. Abdul, top boy, really, yeah, he's, really he's such a good, good lad. Um, I was I was finishing the wire. I was on my last season on the wire whilst I was there, and he'd seen it all before. So he was just sitting there watching it with me and going, "Are oh, you going to like this? Are oh, you going to like this?" <laughs> 
<laughs> just not doing the run. Yeah, nodding that's away. Like a massive bugbear, isn't it? Running commentary. When you know, someone's <laughs> seen it, they're like, yeah, I'll let you watch it because uh, I've seen it before. But, and then they're like, oh, wow, wait, wait for this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no, shut up, please. Abs is a top boy. Uh, but yeah, then we were in the same apartment, but we had separate rooms. I think he was in, uh, because of our timetable clashes, like he was in the evening, I was in the morning. So I'd have been up early, he would have been up, he wouldn't need to get in. It was just. And you're both big boys, you probably needed a bed extension. Both. Well, I did, I did have one. And then he had, he was big and wide. It like His arm span was similar he to yours is, or longer than yours. He is a monster. He's obviously is a soft, lovely monster, but. Yeah. he's a big he's a big old dude he's a big dude big friendly dude um so yeah that was that was interesting going into going from sharing a room and then when you're super excited and you need someone to calm you down or be someone to relax around with to go into a room myself it was a bit like oh wow okay now i'm lost in my own thoughts for a yeah. bit i'm in the, and you can hear the olympic you're, you're in the olympic village it's quite noisy because a lot of swimmers always swimmers, swimmers yeah. always making noise well, they're on early, aren't they? And they're well, done and dusted. They finished like, in the, the first, first couple of days, days and then they're drunk for the rest of the tramp. So <laughs> I remember we we uh, requested that a lot of uh, sports left. Um, there's quite a serious thing with Charles Van Comedy pull it through that within the blocks there was a lot of people going out and coming back late at night, very drunk, very noisy, and there was people competing the next morning. So there was a serious request put forward to the BOA, and I think a lot of people moved to different sides. Like they had to move their rooms, uh, or that they were asked to leave. So kind of killed someone's Olympic thing. Some but Olympic dreams. Out, yeah, well, the Olympic dream was to compete, not to go out on the piss in London. That's very true. Uh, so yeah, that was interesting to do. Um, but yeah, it was cool. Um, it was a, coffee was good, really good coffee there. They have those coffee huts, didn't they? Yeah, they were banging. So Used to good. meet people, go meet for a coffee somewhere. People from other countries and stuff, and. Probably did that a bit too often. <laughs> I was buzzing at like yeah, eleven every, o'clock at night. Every morning, six me, coffee sessions during me the day. And Dave Weir would go nine a.m. Go to a coffee hut, and I introduced him to good coffee. Oh yeah, because he was like he was into he was into coffee before, but like these guys would yeah, it was posh, choose, wasn't it? choose yeah, he'd choose your beans and all sorts of choose stuff. One of them, and I was like, mate, choose this. I want that bean. Yeah, I want that bean. <laughs> I, want I want that it. bean I want over it. there. Give it to me, and um, <laughs> mate, he was he was on it. It was just weird how he would finish like a final at ten o'clock at night in the Olympic Stadium. Obviously, like Dave's a legend and come back. He'd have a semi final at like ten o'clock the next morning. Mm. But yeah, like in the mornings we'd just we'd just go hunt for coffee before he'd set off. He, he was in a, a vein of form that was like he was untouchable, wasn't he? Yeah, he that was like for him, that was arguably probably one of the greatest sporting achievements, like, I think, by any Olympic or Paralympic like, yeah definitely one of the best British to have, sports like, men to, to go or women. four four races but not only four races you've got four sets of semis and rounds to do as well well three sets of that and a marathon <laughs> <laughs> but when you play like that you like and he won all of it yeah. and you think that would just what was that just, like being, what was it like being around him like what was he it was, so, it was, was so he super normal his, yeah like every morning it, well I'd like, say say he'd won the night before he'd like he puts his he puts his medal in his drawer and forgets about it and he's like right let's go and we'll go for a coffee and chat about music he listened to who looked daft at the like who's the daftest kit at the track uh are some idiots and stuff and he all he wanted to do was just chat about anything but athletics and we'd just sit there and put the world to rights walk around the village come back and then he'd be like right okay i gotta go nice to go right round one done come back again have lunch He's a very normal guy, though, isn't he? I've, yeah, I've, I've always been a fan of him. Because I was like, I was quite late competing, so I got to see his first two races where we were just hanging out, and because he's in our apartment block, we'll just chill out, seeing it behind the scenes and like how we operated, like to the point, and knew what he wanted to do, and knew what he wanted to achieve, and knew that it was possible. And just every morning was like someone just pressed the restart button. Let's go again. Yeah, and it was just incredible to see that like firsthand that. And every morning or every time he'd finished a final, he'd have to then reset his mindset of, okay, right, let's go again. I've gone, I've got, I did the four last night. Okay, I've got the 1500 today. Right, let's, and he'd go through race tactics. It was mind blowing, like the guy's precision. Did it help you when you came to your competition? Yeah, like seeing Dave's mindset and how he operated and what he wanted to achieve massively helped me. I was like, 
he's winning medals. Like, I want yeah, a piece yeah. of the party here. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. And then we all, we had this like little tally chart going on in the apartment. So I think we came away with like four gold, three silver and two bronze or something in our apartment. And it's probably like the best out of athletics. Thanks to Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Big Dave did the job. Let's talk about your comp. You were the Friday night or Saturday night? Thursday. Thriller Thursday. 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 I was in Brussels. Thursday. Okay, Thriller Thursday. Thursday. Yeah, Thriller Thursday. You should know better than me. Go on. My God. Yeah, so I was on the bus, fully kitted up, and you just saw these droves and droves of people going into the stadium. I was like, oh my God, this is like actually happening. (laughs) I got off, yeah, I got off the the bus, and I was just still with my headphones on, walking to the warm-up track. And then just took them off just because I saw a couple of people and they were warming the crowd up inside. And I tell you what, I shit you not, it was amazing. My hair stood up <laughs> back on the end. I was like, this is bonkers. This is like the Paralympics and there's 80,000 people going to be in there. And oh my God, it was just, you know, just the best experience ever to take those headphones off and hear that crowd, even in the warm up track that was loud. And yeah. I was like, oh my God, this is wicked. Put headphones back on. <laughs> But yeah, it was yeah, like warming up, and you see, I was fully taped up. See, I, yeah, I couldn't strapped up. See, with the doctors' doctors' advice, they were like, like you can either tell your family and friends and everyone, or you can keep it to yourself. Go out there, go and do your job, and tell them afterwards. So I was like, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, plan B. Let's just, I'll just do that because it. I don't want them to worry. Don't want them to anyone to like be concerned that what they're watching might not be my best or anything like that. So I thought, right, I'll just keep it to myself. My coach knew Jim, but purely kept it to myself and and yeah so I just warmed up but I was strapped up with tape and everything so I didn't take any real any clothes off which normally mm-hmm. I would do down yeah. to like shorts and t-shirt but through the white GB tops you could see all the tape in around yeah, my waist yeah, I remember. so I was like right okay I'm not gonna let any like my competitors know I did a few drills um and then it was time to go in the call room and right in there just underneath the, the stadium like as you probably felt it was just bonkers like the even the like massive concrete girders were just or like the shaking. steel girders were just shaking yeah with the noise yeah and you're like a bit like the film gladiator you know like mm. we're, in, we're in pens aren't we and you got yeah. like you're eyeballing all of your competitors and seeing what they're doing or like just like if they're annoying you just try and try and block it out in you and just focus on yourself but yeah, I mean, it was hard to focus at that point because they were just so loud and there was, like, yeah. races on every five minutes. And were you shaking? No, nah, I'll I, I tell you what, like, the, the the bit that got me is, for some unknown reason, I don't know why I did it, but we all lined up and we walked underneath the stand, like, for, like, 300 metres from where the final call was to get yeah. to out to where the discus cage was. And we're all in throwing order and I was throwing third, and I was like, I don't want to walk out third because there's like 12 of us. And I, like, I want to walk out last. So I pulled myself to the side and pretended to do my shoelaces up. Mm. And the British guy who was like all of our chaperones was like, what are you doing? And I was like, I need to do my shoes up. I quickly undid my laces. He looked at me and I was like, what? He's like, what the hell is he doing? So then I pretended to do it really slowly, saw the last guy and then up did them up. Yeah. And I was like, I just said to him, I winked. I was like, let's wait here. And then we'll walk out separate. And he's like, okay. So, <laughs> and he went against his job completely. But he was like, okay, I can see what you're doing here. So everyone walked out and there's a massive cheer from that section of the crowd. Then as soon as they saw my GB kit, oh man, the place just erupted. And I was like, this is awesome. And I was like, like nah, from that point then, I completely forgot I was injured. And like, I completely forgot about the pain that was marginally in from day to day. And yeah. everything I'd gone through at that point. But like, yeah, the crowd just lifted me up so much. And mm. when I got out there, I was just like, Buzzing. this is on. Yeah, like I was absolutely like just blown away by it all. I mean, that was when I really like, I got my hairs and I like goose pimples. I was you like, still get it? Popping pumps. Yeah. Thinking about it now, <laughs> mate. I'm like, what? It's so, crazy, isn't it? Yeah, the actual memories that, that last and then actually the effect it has on your body still. Yeah. And it's just that one little thing that I don't even know what went through my mind. Like, why did I do that? I'd never done that before. I've just always conformed to rules and walked yeah. out in third and waved to the crowd or whatever or see where my parents are. But this time I thought, oh, do you know what? Like, this is a, such a special moment. I need to make it mm-hmm. about me. Yeah, and you need the, the crowd. And the side. best thing, the, the thing I, I guess I wanted to achieve was that they knew everyone was supporting me. Yeah. And when that crowd pumped up a bit more because I'd walked out, everyone looked around. Yeah. And I was like, I've got you. Like, <laughs> I've got you knowing that 
there supporting me, house. not you. Yeah, this is my house, and I, I, I guess probably that subconsciously that's what I wanted to achieve. But mm. I just thought I wanted this to be really like a special moment. Yeah, yeah. Which it takes it catches everybody off guard. Um, I think we found it. Uh, I walked out as Kate was vaulting. My wife Kate was vaulting. Oh, wow. I didn't realize that, and I nearly bored my eyes out. <laughs> <laughs> the 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 noise of her. Like so, the screaming as they got louder and louder as she was running down the runway. I was like, and then when she cleared it, like, ah, getting goosebumps. Yeah, now. like <laughs> uh, getting goosebumps now. And it's just like, uh, I walked out and I was like, oh, all right, don't cry on TV. You can't cry. You can't like. My eyes were just like, it was just pure emotion hitting me. I was like, what, what the fuck do I do? So I was like, okay, kept my head down for a bit, walked out, and then as you come out, like you said, it's just like, ah, and we only had to walk hundred meters down the home straight, and everyone's like shouting your name and you're kind of when I'd gone to championships before I'd be like oh hey waving to yeah. people and I was like I was trying my best to look up at people I was like nope can't look can't look at them can't look at them um, and uh, I didn't really milk it until after the heat and I came second in my heat Kevin Borley ran really well uh, I came second running kind of comfortably um, I just kind of was like are you not entertained yeah. <laughs> <laughs> giving it the gladiator as you said the gladiator thing Um and then when I came out for my semi-final, it was a different level. I was ready for it. I was really excited about it. And I was like waving to the crowd and trying to get them pumped up and stuff like that. And then it backfired. Because um, <laughs> it, it all went silent, like on your marks. And it all went silent. And someone went, Rude. And then another like group of people went, Rude. And then it started being that section of the crowd did it. And then the whole stadium just started going, Rude. Rude. I was what? like, shit. <laughs> My, ar- you, my arsehole literally squeezed <laughs> so tight and all I could think about was like don't full start yeah please don't full start just just get round don't full start it'll be fine and then uh, I, I ran okay but I should have I should have easily qualified for the final and uh, I think I came third or fourth and in a, a time that I'd been able to jog early in the year but it was because of my focus was like yeah. completely off the race and the plan of the race it was just like don't full start but you know you talk about yeah. the noise of that crowd you ever hear it when it goes silent? <laughs> so 50 metres to go, when they realise I'm not going to qualify, oh. Oh, God, what? <laughs> no. <laughs> I literally, I was like, I was still racing, I'm made... pumping my arms and stuff, and it went, oh. That's when you need them the most. Like, no. like, come on, guys. <laughs> no, this is come killing on. me. And so I literally crossed the line. I was just so deflated. I was done. Uh, it was like the high of like the crowd shouting your name and like uh, the whole Olympic experience. And then it was like, Oh, 80,000 people were just gone. Oh. The balloon literally don't disappeared. Hear that. Yeah, so that was a weird experience. But, but it's then, still something that you can go. But then you had the relay and surely mm. like... Yeah, and the relay was cool because then we were leading and um, actually I was last leg and I, I ran out on my own and this guy was sitting on my shoulder the whole way and he really wanted to win the heat. I was like, cool, you got it. So I kind of let him past like in the last two metres. I was like, because I was like, I don't need to win this, but that's what you do at any other championships, but not at your home games. Oh, yeah. so home games, you win everything. Yeah, yeah. You have to win, and that was a mistake because I felt like bad for the rest of the team. That straight away, I was like, "Oh no, I should have won. Yeah. I should have won for them." Like kind of. So every time I've gone to champs now, even though I don't need to run so hard down the home straight, I'm like, "Okay, right, okay, yeah. I got to win for the team." Point, yeah. Um, and then the final was amazing. Like, um, so you talked about when they announced your name. So we were standing last leg relay. Guys were all like lined up in this like the bit like the runoff down to the media mix zone bit oh, yeah. and um gb gets announced i think it was conrad Lin- williams in lane in lane five or something like that and kevin ball standing beside him and he just goes yeah and screams like he was pumped it, it, because he was it wasn't for him the scream yeah. wasn't for him he was just he, the noise was so amazing but, yeah. but he just vibed off it it was just like this is the greatest feeling like and i was like you fuck. <laughs> I was like, I wanted to be able to enjoy it the same way he could enjoy it, yeah. um, and like he, they, all, I could see everybody else in the race was vibing off racing against British athletes. I realised in the final that they wanted to be in a race for British athletes because the noise would come in. Because of the noise, was they like wanted to boring. feel that noise and then not have the pressure that it's all for them. Yeah. So um, yeah, I was like, oh shit, kind of counting against thought, us. Yeah, but, I never thought about it like that. That's yeah. Like, yeah. Because I've done it, I've reversed it. I went to Belgium and uh, I raced in the Diamond League there, final race uh, with the Borlays, and the crowd went mad. I turned around to Kevin and went, Yeah! <laughs> Back was, at you, sucker. Was, yeah, I absolutely <laughs> loved it. And I won that race. So it was, uh, I won that race. So it was kind of cool to uh, see it from both sides. But 
what a what an experience just to be in that stadium yeah. where just think about it now it like it doesn't seem nearly too like Olympic and Paralympic cycles away. Nearly yeah. eight years. It's nearly eight years have gone past. And yet I can still picture it like it happened last year. That picture Every of you and Johnny Peacock. Where oh, you're like yeah. screaming at him. Yeah, he's like, like, come here, Peacock, come here. <laughs> come the fuck here. Literally just yeah, just just won. Like so everyone was like, Johnny, you're gonna win, you're gonna win. And he's like, No, no, I'm gonna come third. And he's like Oscar and Oliveira. Yeah, he's like Oscar and Oliveira. He says, like, I want the pressure to be on them, but he says, realistically, I'll be happy with third. He says, I'm happy with the medal. Mm-hmm. His first Paralympic Games, he went to the Worlds in 2011 as a development athlete and came sixth. Yeah. So Johnny, from sixth place in the world to then 2012, like I say, we had like a two-year run-in. So it was great for Johnny. He got to race these guys at Grand Prix and stuff. But he was like, I'm happy with the medal. Third place, I'm happy with the medal. Mate, he went out there and he absolutely smashed it. Smashed it. it and me. I was so, so happy for him. Like, it was just, it was the making of him. Like, it showed mm. him what he could do. And yep. it was like that point in time, no one had ever, I don't think anyone had ran as quick as that in a Paralympic final ever. And yeah, was I was quite surprised actually came over to me because there's a wall bank of cameras around him. Yeah, and yeah. like, there's people in the crowd baying for him. And then he just must have, and I was just like, just having a drink. And I was like, oh, yeah, it'd be great to like, congratulate johnny yeah, yeah, yeah and he came when he came running over i was like oh cool yeah we'll have a hug <laughs> that was really cool but looking back at the pictures it looks like i'm like so fierce but i was so pumped because at that point in time there's a rough round through after round three and i was still lying in first place yeah i was like i'm in fucking first as well i was like and then he was like oh yeah yeah like this is bouncing off each other and i was like go on you go on your lap of honor <laughs> and um yeah, he, oh, it was just, I was so, so pleased for him. Like, he'd, it's a massive part. Just to see the turnaround from like sixth or seventh in the world the year before to then winning the Paralympic Games on your home turf mm. on arguably taking, you know, Oscar's title mm. away from potentially what? The face of the game. Yeah, the, the face you, of the game. The, the face of Paralympic games. sport. And you've gone and, like, you haven't just beaten him, you smashed him by smashed him. A, a good. Few hundred, him in the first a few hundreds, yeah. 50, 40 meters, he was just gone, wasn't he? And yeah, like it, it was, it was just amazing. It was amazing, and it was amazing. Like I still arguably believe, like I had the best seat in the house that night because <laughs> I got to see Dave win, I got to see yeah. Hannah win, I got to see Johnny win, and then I still enjoyed it myself. Yeah, <laughs> and I was yeah, like, yeah. I think I was like, you know, I was like cheering Dave on with like like three hundred to go in that eight hundred meter final. Yeah. And I was like, go on, Dave, go on, go on, like this. And But, like, with I guess, like, with your four and his eight, the crowd, it was weird because it was just like a circular noise that would just follow the wheelchairs around and around and kept building and building. What noise what was it? The It was like the something weird, or the decibels. Roar or something. Yeah. No, what was it? Werewolf. Werewolf roar or something, yeah. yeah. And, like, to be in the middle of that cauldron of noise, it was just circulating around yeah. and around and getting louder on each lap. Oh my god, it was, that was insane! But then, yeah, I was, I was like, oh, okay, it's my turn to throw. <laughs> I was like, I got, I got a little bit lost. I was like, well, Jesus, like five minutes had gone past, and Johnny has just become Paralympic champion, and, and we've had an embrace. And I'm just seeing Dave absolutely smashes. I think it, that was his third gold. Yeah, getting a hat trick of gold. And I was like, oh, like I'm a massive sports fan here, and I've just seen probably two of the best performances of the championships, and yeah. I'm like right in the middle. I'm on the infield. I've got like the best view. What a seat. And place was, to be. Yeah. You did earn that seat, mate. Well, yeah, but you know, like you know how it is. Like you know, when you, when you get like privileges like that to be on the team with some of your mates, and you get to see them do well, I was mm. like, like that just it kicks you on as well. Like, I had three rounds to go, and I was thinking, like, I'm in first. These boys have just won. Maybe you know, I didn't end up winning, but, yeah, <laughs> but still a big. But fun. yeah, it, it like it just really kicked home how important like it was massively just to see see your mates do well as well yourself podium what yeah. was it like it was good i was a little bit i was knackered i didn't get any sleep and then <laughs> not in that apartment huh? not in that apartment no not sure in that not. apartment like so yeah so david dave we me and dave had coffee in the morning we had like we had, i had my medal ceremony like twelve thirty, so the start of the afternoon session mm-hmm. and um yeah we had media all morning and i think i got to bed at like i had like I went to McDonald's at like 12 o'clock with Dave and then we had media from 9am until 12 and then I had to run over from the place we had and I had a MI5 agent with me playing clothes 
yeah, because yeah. we weren't taking the the cars would take too long to get around. Yep. the the bus would would have taken fifteen minutes, and we had to be there for quarter past no to ten past twelve. So she's like, right, okay, we'll run across. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, you had me who was like a thrower who can't run for a bus. Yeah, I was running like, sprinting across in my kit. Everyone trying to like ask for pictures and autographs and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. She was batting them off. But the craziest thing was like on the way back from doing from getting my medal, um, we were in a golf cart and it was the worst decision ever because it went about two miles an hour because there's so many so many people around. It's like beep beep, can you get out of the way, please? Um but yeah, the podium mate was that was it was amazing to yeah. to walk out and like it was a full like full and yeah, like obviously not to hear my national anthem but to be to, to be, be in that yeah, to be in that in like in the middle there, like collecting a medal and getting and getting it was just yeah, it's incredible. And it was kind of like closure. It was, I was, I was quite sad afterwards because it was like oh, you know that's kind of it now. Like, all, yeah, all of that, all of that prep and all of that work that you put in for like four years. Mm. And I was a bit sad like when when I was in the golf buggy going like two yeah. miles an hour across back across Olympic Park. I was like ah. Oh, it's a bit like closure that the games have finished yeah. for me because that was it. I was done, and mm-hmm. I was a bit like, mm. obviously, what followed and all the parties were a bit more fun. But <laughs> yeah. at that point in time, I was a bit sad. I don't know if you got that, like when you yeah definitely in the relay, you're like, oh yeah. Once it was over, it was like, oh, it really deflated. Mm. Like a kind of they talk about the post Olympic blues, um, but I think at the stage I was still like, well, I'm, I'm not old. I've yeah. Got another Olympic cycle at least, so I was like, okay, I can. Re- re- yeah, we can come yeah. back and go for that um, and also we had like the Commonwealth Games in 2014 to look forward to and um, it was just a I understood it was a huge opportunity a, a huge privilege to go to home games so I could take that away from it but um, the parties <laughs> the parties I've never been to these I'm never going to get in these clubs ever again <laughs> you have that pass it was like alright yeah, yeah. come to this club you can come in here it's a members club or whatever it is I remember going to, I was in the back and I was signing all this stuff for the owner of the club and whatever. And I was like, you don't know who I am at all. <laughs> Here <laughs> we go. Someone else. I was just, because I went to the same place as Bolt. Bolt had like this party going on and um, I was in the bit with Bolt and we were chatting. We were just talking about Radisha. So I Bolt, pretty drunk, yeah. in this uh, his part after party or whatever it was. And all we could talk about was Radisha's race. We're like, I was like, you're amazing, congratulations, incredible, whatever. He's like, yeah, yeah. And I said, Radisha, and he, his eyes literally yeah. went, no, oh my God. He was talking about when he went from, when Radisha goes at 300 metres to go, he said he literally was just standing up shouting. Yeah. He said it was just like, oh my God, this is the greatest thing he'd ever seen. And like, um, for someone like of Bolt to say, what, what yeah. Radisha was doing was incredible. That was that, that was when a you're drunk world as well. record freight race. In my, yeah. Was it one forty? Yeah, one forty point nine. I think it was. Yeah, um, it was. Uh, it was obscene. But like the after parties were cool. It was nice to be able to be a VIP for a bit and turn up and go to clubs that I'd, under, I'd, I'd heard of <laughs> like, and yeah. uh, be treated like a VIP. Backstage yeah. passes. Alice Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's you, a, yeah. That's what it's about, though, isn't it? It's like. I guess when the games are finished, you have to like let off steam. Yeah, it's like you've sacrificed so much as an athlete, you, you dedication, turning up, and yeah, you got you got it. Yeah, you got to have a blowout with your mates. So yeah, definitely it's standard, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, like yeah. Uh, um, you you had loads of family and stuff and friends come down, didn't you? Yeah, we had a uh, hashtag team greaves. <laughs> hashtag team the green was it the blue greaves. top with the yellow? Yeah, yeah. Actually, like saying I didn't even say this, but when I when I walked out in the crowd. I could see just plain blue tops inside grouped, grouped together, cool. and I was like, "Oh, okay, cool. There they are. Just, there's patches. Yeah, there's up. a squad." <laughs> um, could see them like some are up high, some are, like down, but like on the first tier, mm. some in the middle. But um, but yeah, that was re- it. Was really cool to see some of my mates that didn't really get Paralympic sport and never really seen me in a big competition before came mm-hmm. to watch. And obviously, like it's a one. Like I said to them, "Look, it's a, this is a one. Well, it could be a one-off." Yeah. These guys like I'd never seen like wheelchair racers or amputees or yeah, blind yeah. athletes running or jumping or throwing anything like that. Like, oh, this is amazing! And now they're like hooked on Paralympic sport. Yeah, that for me was like the big, like one of the biggest uh, successes is that some of my mates who knew what I did and has come to able body competitions that I fit into have seen and enjoyed those. But to see it on that scale, yeah, that's 
So what London 2012 was good for is mm. that, that accessibility that people may have not seen the Paralympics before. And it's a shame they haven't capitalised on it as much as they should have. Yeah, I mean, it was good in 2013. They had like 60,000 for a Paralympic anniversary games, I'm yeah. saying. And it's, it is tough like to to like keep it in the public eye and to try and keep promoting it and to do these big events. And it's hard because there's so many opportunities in other sports to go and see. Mm. It's how do you then, I guess we can talk about this in another well, podcast, it, but how do you then sell Paralympic athletics or even Olympic athletics, just athletics in general, just athletics in general. <laughs> to make it more like family friendly to, That's another to the youth? Yeah, it's a completely new podcast. We'll get we can chat about that. We'll get Sebco in and be like, all right, mate. All right, yeah. <laughs> no. right. He's your best mate. What are you on about? Dr. Greaves? Nice. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> First name basis. Just doctors. But yeah, like we can we can chat about that. Like I think it, there, there is a legacy, but it's how, then how we capitalise and how the whole sport capitalises on the interest mm. in the future. Future generations coming through because we're not going to last forever. Well, I would like to hope we are, but not as athletes. Jesus, <laughs> last cycle. Uh, seeing as we're talking about Olympics, is your last last cycle of? I reckon Paralympic so. Sport? Yeah, I, I said I'd wouldn't do wouldn't do Tokyo after Rio, but then now looking at it, I've three quarters of the way through a Paralympic cycle. So and you're in good shape. What the hell? Yeah, looking buff. But what about you? Like, is this yeah, this is it. Your final last one. I, uh, chapter. I've got no real interest in. Uh, I think after Rio, I had a tough Rio. I kind of felt if we'd have got a medal in Rio. Uh, if I'd have made the final individually and got a medal in the relay, probably would have gone to the Gold Coast and left it there. Yeah, well, I say that it's easy to say that, but then it's like now I feel like Tokyo. I'm, Tokyo was always something as a kid. Um, I'd watch anime. It's a pretty like, cool city. Yeah, well, I'd watch anime, and if you've seen Akira, uh, Akira uh, is set in Neo Tokyo, and they have the 2020 Olympic Games that they're preparing for it in the stadium and all that. So that was always something that was iconic in my kind of well part of my youth and something like that's always that once i've made one olympics i was like wow if tokyo ever gets it i'm going okay. so here we go last try that was cool to hear about those some of those paralympics some of those stories that you had from 2012 like uh, i knew obviously you'd had your injury problems uh i knew obviously like the family stuff but it was uh, more to hear like how you bounced off of your trip your roommates and stuff like that and that was pretty cool yeah. i think it's interesting that we've both been to a same like a similar event exactly the same run and then got completely different outcomes and completely different stories it's, I know that some people didn't enjoy London because it didn't go to plan <laughs> and like it's like me like you had a great Beijing and obviously made Olympic final and then um, where it was in the sniff of a medal yeah Beijing for me in 2008 was just like the worst because yeah, I, I like got a medal but it wasn't the right colour yeah, <laughs> and that, yeah like and it, yeah it's it's, those, it's like little stories behind the scenes, I think, that, that can really tell on a person's... Yeah, hopefully we can enlighten you and see, show you more of the background and what happens behind the scenes and what the emotions are like that you don't get in that 30-second soundbite after a race or the, the Twitter yeah. verse or Twitter Insta- one Instagram <laughs> post. Um, so I suppose, yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. Um, if you'd like to like or subscribe or whatever goes on with podcasts um, if you if you want to follow us uh, I'm a discus Dan easy to remember yeah easy to remember across all handles yeah I'm at Martin Rooney on all handles <laughs> spelt for Y there's a very famous Martin Rooney but anyway I'm the other one um, so yeah thanks again and uh, hope you enjoyed it yeah and we will hopefully be doing these um, fortnightly so yeah we'll let you know when the new podcast is out cool cheers cheers, cheers.